back, everybody. Time once again for another episode of Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected with the woman who knows all about that journey. She's been on it for a few years herself here, 19 years and counting, I believe. Our host, Roberta Luna. Hey, Roberta. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. 19 years and still counting. and We'll be counting for a very long time. Oh, we're going to get up in the 40s or 50s. There you go. There you go. Well, today I have two very special guests with me, actually. They came all the way from Iowa, and I will introduce... Kelly Barber, because I can say her name very easily. <laughs> but since you all took bets on how I would screw up Wendy's name, then I'm going to let Wendy introduce herself because of her last name. So, Wendy, would you say hi? Check. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Roberta. And go online and see how she spells it. There's a few extra letters that don't look like they belong in there. So. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. I, I really... I'm really good at messing up last names. I didn't want to do that to you coming on, especially since you guys came all the way from Iowa. I know not just for this, but I do appreciate you being here. You've been staying in San Diego, so I know you had quite a drive for just coming down to visit us today. But I wanted to talk a little bit about your personal journeys that you've had with pancreatic cancer. And Kelly, if we could start with you, um, I'd like to know something about your husband, about George. I don't really know a whole lot about him. Would you... Kind of tell us a little bit about him before he was diagnosed. Um, he was a stay-at-home dad with our daughter, Megan. Um, he was a postal carrier. Um, and then after she was born, he stayed at home and only worked on the weekends oh. with her. Oh, how nice. That's, that's a nice uh, turn of events there, huh? Mm-hmm. Give you a chance to go out and work and let him kind of be the stay-at-home dad. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Especially in that, those days, you don't really hear that happening very much. It's a little bit later in time. What did he have symptoms of pancreatic cancer, or how did you know that he was sick? He was having some like pain in the evenings, but we really didn't find the cancer until after he suffered a heart attack. He had a heart attack and then had 100% blockage, so he had a stent put in and then started having complications. So they did a CT scan, found the cancer on the tumor of his uh, pancreas. And at that time, it hadn't spread anywhere, but because of the heart surgery, we had to wait six to eight weeks. We did another CAT scan, and it had spread to the liver. So at that point, he started treatments. I've, I've heard many times, usually somebody will find the cancer, like if they something to do with like their appendix or you know um, something else. I've never really heard of anybody having a heart issue, and that's how it was diagnosed because of that. It's almost like, was that, you know... A blessing that he had that happen first yeah um, and it was something that our oncologist said to him too like isn't it a blessing that you had the heart attack because then you wouldn't have found you know the cancer because he really had no other symptoms hey, no was he having any heart issues at the time or was that no. kind of a surprise too it was a surprise wow. he had actually like like i said he was working on weekends and he had got up that morning and he was having some left shoulder pain he actually Googled it before he went to work. He worked the whole day. And then he called me. He goes, I'm going to go to the urgent care. And then I met him there. And So he sort of self-diagnosed himself, but worked a full day first yep. and then went to urgent care. Yep. Wow. That's really amazing. It kind of sounds like he was that type of person. He wanted to make sure to take care of his family first, even before himself. So. Yep. 
Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that with us. I, I know um, the stories face behind this disease and not just talk about statistics and things. So it's very important to, you know, put a face behind all this. So he said that he didn't really have any symptoms for the pancreatic cancer, and it was diagnosed through what they were looking at for, for his heart attack through a CT? Yep. Okay. Did he receive any treatment for pancreatic cancer? He did. So after waiting the six to eight weeks, he started chemo. Um, I did chemo rounds of chemo for about 14 months. No radiation, but he tried several different chemos. Um, one of them we mail ordered from Canada because our insurance wouldn't pay for it. At that time, and another thing that the oncologist said, you know, like with his diagnosis, they would have just said, go home get your affairs in order and but he was able to do chemo for a year and every time did you have to order that through the mail or was he able to get it through we his... always ordered it through the mail because the insurance did not cover it correct do you remember what type of chemo that was it was Zalota. Okay. and how long ago um, was your husband diagnosed um, he was diagnosed in december of 2004 yeah 2004 mm-hmm. Sorry, it's no, no, he's no, been gone 15 years Yeah, this yeah. past February. No, I, I, I get it. Sometimes I have trouble remembering yesterday, so I know <laughs> when you go back in time, you know, it, it's hard to remember those. Sorry if I'm bringing something up. Again, like I said, I really feel it's important for people to understand that what we're, talk, we're talking about real people and families and fathers and mothers, and we really want to put a face to that, to that disease. And he did treatment, I'm sorry, you said for 14 months, or he survived for 14 months? He did treatment up until the 14th month. The 14th month? Yep. And did he ever go on hospice? Did you use palliative care or what? We were at, we were at the oncologist and for treatment, but his counts weren't well enough for him to do it, and he was having a hard time breathing. Little did we know, he had blood clots in his lung, but he's like, let's do one more treatment and then figure out what to do. So he ended up having treatment, and then um, he went into the hospital for five days, and that's where we found out that he had the blood clots in his lungs. And then he was there five days, and at that point, I called hospice in. They came in and put a bed at our home, and I brought him home. Sorry, no, don't be sorry, please. I'm, I'm. Thank you for sharing this with you. I know, I know it's difficult. I brought him home, and had to have the neighbors and friends. Help me get him into the house. And that was on a Wednesday evening, and he died on Thursday. So he was home for a very short time. And you um, have a, a daughter. Which, how old was, was Megan at that time? Megan was born in 2003. So throughout his illness, she was a year, two years. She was a little over two years when he passed away. And Wendy, I think you did something really unimaginative. It's not something that I have heard of a lot of people doing or, or even, I, I just really admire you for doing this. I don't know if you even know what I'm talking about. But, <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that says a lot for who you are. Um, you actually made a life-changing um, decision to come and support your sister. What was it that you did? Well, I lived, um, my mom and I lived two hours away. And um, I had recently lost my job, so, you know, I was kind of working an interim job. And a woman that I worked with um, six years prior um, worked in Des Moines area where Kelly was. And she said she was sitting in a room one day and 
the light because they were thinking about you know they needed to hire someone and she thought of me so it was just I, I believe things happen for a reason and you know it just everything fell into place you know I so I made the decision to move to Des Moines Kelly was there with the young child and didn't have any family around so um, it was kind of a no-brainer to make that move and then mom followed you say it was a no-brainer, but again, like I said, um, <laughs> I've, I've come across a lot of families, and unfortunately, not just families, but friends, they tend to do one, one of two different things. They either come closer to you, or they tend to go away. So I hear, unfortunately, more people going away because it's just, you know, it's uh, such a horrific disease, and it's, it's very troublesome, so they don't want to deal with it or, or can't. So I, I just really admire you. And I didn't really know that before until I really started doing a little research <laughs> on you guys. That it said that you made this move to help support your sister. So I, I just think that's really amazing. It's something that's really important to have that support and to have that family. And, you know, to have you and, and your mom help, you know, Kelly and Megan through this, I'm sure took a lot off of, of, May, of Kelly, I hope. So um, how did you feel when your sister moved down here to help you out? <clears throat> well, it didn't surprise me at all. When George first got sick, she started doing a lot of research, and she found a chat, chat room, John Hopkins chat board, and she shared that with me. And pretty much that was my lifeline the whole time George was going through his journey. That's where I met Mary and Cheney, and, you know, that's how I became to know about Pancreatic Cancer Action Network is through that chat room and... <clears throat> having a place to go to ask questions and just find out information. I'm surprised that you mentioned the John Hopkins uh, chat site because that's actually how I found uh, Pam Costa-Marquardt, really? the founder of, <laughs> of PanCanis, because when my dad was diagnosed in 1998, there was nothing out there. So I was doing the same thing, even though I do tell people, don't Google pancreatic cancer. I'm better at giving advice than I'm at taking it. <laughs> and I did, but I, I'm thankful that I did because I came across Pam as well and Though the you know pancan wasn't around yet, it just gave me something to to look into and to know at least when things changed family wise. I at least knew now there was an organization I could go to. Um, you did something to handle your grief, and actually both of you have participated in that a great deal, and as well as Megan at some point. Can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, I want to say Advocacy Day. An Advocacy Day is a yearly event that's hosted by PanCan where we get to go to Washington, D.C. and personally meet with our uh, members of Congress or their staff and share our personal stories and urge members of Congress to increase funds for pancreatic cancer. You did that. Is that a way how you, you handle your grief and how you help to support your sister? Yes. So, you know, after George passed away, my aunt and I went to a symposium in Chicago. I believe Pancreatic Cancer Action Network put it on. And at that time, Iowa was, all the states around Iowa were all purple. Iowa didn't have a presence of, of any organization or any Team Hope, I think was what they were called before. Mm -hmm. um, and I told my aunt, I said, I need to change that. Got home, and then I had actually been contacted by PanCan to go to the very first advocacy day because I... I had signed up to be like that person that somebody could reach out to that was dealing with pancreatic as a caregiver. Um, so they had my name. They contacted me. Was I went to Washington, D.C. all by myself. I was the only one from Iowa. Met a lot of great people. But that kind of started the yearly event. Um, 
I went to my very first one alone. The next year, somebody in Des Moines' father had been diagnosed, and she wanted to start an affiliate. I went to their very first meeting because I had been to one advocacy day. They're like, hey, advocacy coordinator would be a perfect fit for you. (laughs) So (laughs) I became advocacy coordinator and kept attending advocacy day every year. I've gone to every one except past couple of years they've been canceled because of covid but and then my daughter also started going i went to a few mom tagged along <laughs> i was gonna Megan. ask if they tagged along or did you volunteer them <laughs> no, and they decided to do uh, it <laughs> you know after i went to the first one i'm like you have to go i said i can't explain it i said but it is just it's just an awesome event it is and it's um it's changed my life it made me want to get more involved and to bring more awareness to it and like you said, we haven't been able to do it in person the last couple of years. We've done a virtual, which um, was still a good connection, but it, I miss that one-on-one. We really need to do that one-on-one. And I'm very happy to say that actually next year we will be going again in person. So I'm really thrilled and can't wait for that to happen. It will be in June. I don't remember the, off the top of my head the exact <laughs> date, but we'll keep everybody informed on are interested. I can really stress that it's really important to go to Advocacy Day and it makes you feel like you're doing something. Mm-hmm. So you went basically to for you know to handle your grief and to bring more awareness. What age was Megan when she first? Did, and I remember hearing her story, and I'm telling you, she just had us all in tears. I think she was five, five, almost six, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she her story was very compelling. I can still see the photo, uh, the, yeah. the the drawing that she did that. Um, they took her up on stage and showed that. I think there wasn't a dry eye in the house, and she's continued to go since that day, correct? Yes. And she's how old now? She's 17. Wow, that's really amazing. That's really amazing. When Wendy, what is your take on you? Because you're looking at, I think, advocacy. They may maybe a little differently than maybe Kelly is, or maybe the same. What was your take on it? I guess I look at it as a way for us to raise our voice and to, you know, to... Um, get the funding that we need to advance the research um, to find early detections and to, you know, make advances in um, pancreatic cancer. And just to, you know, you meet so many people from across the United States. We've met so many friends and the connections and the stories. And, you know, it's just um, it's just a family of people that, you know, you just... Yeah, it's always it's a uh, good experience. <laughs> we always say it's a family none of us want to belong to, but at the same time, it's a family that I can't imagine not having being. in my corner and, and being there because it's, it's just made a, a very big difference. If you could give anybody advice as far as Advocacy Day or getting involved, I'm asking Wendy, what, what would you tell people? I would say if anybody wanted to get involved in any part of um, volunteering the um, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. You know, uh, they have the Advocacy Day. They have the walks. Um, uh, but Advocacy Day, I would say it's a way to raise your voice, obviously. And, you know, I mean, everybody's at their own comfort level. You know, when they lose someone or they have someone dealing with it, you know, you have to kind of meet them where they've got to feel comfortable going. Don't be scared. I mean, there's plenty of people. If you're alone, you got plenty of people to support you. Um, you know, we recognize new faces because we, you know, well, there's been a lot of us. Nor, you know, the same people going every year. So when you do see a different face, you know, you kind of tend to introduce yourself or 
you know, you ask, you see the purple, you know, and you ask, hey, where are you from? And, you know, what's your connection? And the one thing I can add is for Advocacy Day, for those people who want to go and aren't, don't, can't speak, you don't have to, you're not being forced to do it. There's plenty of people who will share their story and eventually you will want to share your story as well. But always take a photo with you and just, you know, at least just hold that up. Um, it's to the point now where the Congress and the members that we meet with, they see purple and they, they are happy that we were there, which is really nice. Kelly, you had this quote, if anything good had to come out of our family being affected by pancreatic cancer, it's definitely as the friends who we have met along the way. Um, that's something that is very true. And, and I don't know how you were able to come up with that after losing your husband to that, but it, it it really hits home, and you know I want to thank you for that and and continuing what you and Wendy do and Megan as well, and I know your mom Lois comes out too, and we you know we hit the halls and and tell the stories, and I want to thank you because I know this is very very difficult to share this, but I do appreciate you coming and showing the emotion. It's again it's important, and if you have any last minute words or advice or or pearls of wisdom, would you like to share them now? Like Wendy said, I mean, you may feel alone, but you're not. We have made so many connections um, throughout the years with our Purple Strides and our Des Moines affiliate and Advocacy Day. Megan still stays in contact with kids that she has met at Advocacy Day. They FaceTime Logan from Massachusetts, Stephanie from West Virginia, Rosemary and Grace, who live in Tennessee now, those connections are what makes us united. And I agree. And I think when we first go into this, I think we go for our own personal reasons. But eventually that changes and we go for each other. I mean, I advocate just as much for you. And I know you advocate for all survivors and all those that have lost somebody. We start out going for our own personal reasons, but it's amazing how well it changes and how much we become family. Wendy, do you want to add anything to that as well before we go? I would just say, you know, anybody that's newly diagnosed or families that are going through that have been newly diagnosed, you know, reach out to your resources. You know, don't just think of it as a a death sentence. There is hope out there. There are connections that you can make and that you can, you know, you don't have to feel alone. And just on that, um, like I said, because I'm really good about giving advice and maybe not taking it, but please do not Google pancreatic cancer. If you want more information, please go to pancan.org. There's people there that can direct you and send you on the right path. So please, pancan.org. And I think it's 877-2-PANCAN, and Paul will give that to you at the end as well. So thank you. Did you want to say something else? I have one more. The the patient central, I think, is key to you know, at pancan.org, I think that's a, a really good resource for newly diagnosed or, you know, families, caregivers to look at. Yes, thank you for adding that. And also there is a caregiver survivor network as well that they can talk with other people going through their circumstance. So thank you guys for, for joining us and for coming down all the way from Iowa. Yes. <laughs> thank you for having us. <laughs> thank you. Love you guys. Love, Love you too. So there you have it, another reason to tune in each and every week to Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those really living with this disease, sharing the real-life stories of those really affected and how they deal with it on a daily basis. 
And if you'd like to share your stories, please, we're always looking for more people to come forward, share their journey, where they're at, how they're handling things, friends, family, or people personally affected. Just contact us here at the radio station, OC Talk Radio. And if you or anyone you know needs help right now, there's a place, Patient Services, at 877, the number 2, PAN-CAN. That's 877-2-P-A-N-C-A-N for more help and information. That's the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And I'm Paul Roberts with OC Talk Radio, inviting you to join us again next week for this ongoing journey of hope.